What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we had a busy weekend this weekend in regards to the NFL playoffs. A lot to cover there. A lot of the games were really close, really fun and exciting, which we haven't seen in recent years, which is kind of a surprise. I mean, normally there will be about one or two that are good and close, but all four of these games, every team had a chance to win. Two of them went to overtime, uh, so really good for the NFL and all that sort of thing. So we're going to cover that on the show, recap all those games, give a little preview to the divisional round games, uh, talk some NFL coaching hires, some rumors that I've seen scouring through Twitter, uh, and then probably talk about some NBA, specifically Kevin Love and that whole situation, which I think is probably what we're going to start off with first. So I'm going to hit off with the whole Kevin Love thing. For those of you who aren't aware, Kevin Love's been kind of going at it with GM Colby Atman of the Cavs, uh, basically saying that uh, he, he doesn't really want to be there. He wants to be traded. He's been fined. Uh, and, and you can see obvious displeasure from him on the court when he's playing with his teammates, including uh, I think there was a point last night where he took a pass from Colin Sexton and just fired a rocket unnecessarily at another one of his teammates. Uh, he was Apparently there's a story that came out last year that he was fined or he was threatened to be fined uh, by Colby Atman and Kevin Love said, Look, I've got enough money. Go ahead. And there's a lot of ways that you can take this uh, in a lot of different perspectives. Some that I've heard are saying that, you know, for him, the fact that he's ready to leave now, even, you know, the fact that he made it 18 months is incredible in and of itself, which is good for him, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But I'm not really set on that whole mindset. I think he knew what he was getting into going in when he signed that four-year extension. I mean, he wanted the max money from the Cavs, and he got that, but he knew LeBron James was going to be gone, he knew they were going to be rebuilding for a couple years, and he knew Dan Gilbert as owner of the Cavs notoriously does not do well with uh, getting free agents and finding the right coach, so he knew this, he may never be on a winning team if he stayed on the Cavs the rest of his career. So getting upset now uh, at whatever it is, it seems, I mean, we don't really know specifically what's going on there, but getting upset at the Cavs organization he made it clear it wasn't the players that he played with. But I feel like he part of this, he had to foresee it. I mean, was this just a ploy for him to make money? Because I think probably five five teams or so that are legitimately in the hunt um, are legit destinations and probably would have given him a max contract. They had the, the money for it, and I think it would have worked out. But now it seems that he's going to be traded. Um, and a couple landing spots that I really like, Portland's one of them because they have a lot of expiring contracts that match up really well. Maybe give them a first-round pick. And then all of a sudden, it's Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Kevin Love, and Hassan Whiteside, which is a pretty pretty good group of four, especially in a, a more, more level Western Conference and NBA than we've seen in, you know, four or five years. That could give them the push they need, because I think right now they're sitting on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Um, let me pull up the NBA NBA standings real fast and see, but that would be a really good destination for them, for both all involved, because it'll get the Cavs, get rid of his contract. It'll give the Cavs expiring contracts, just kind of eat some salary cap up and and um, then, you know, and get a first round pick, maybe get some, some weapons for the draft um, or, or trade assets if they want to keep building up their team. But right now, Portland, yeah, Portland's 15 and 22, uh, not ideal. They're not fully out of the playoff race yet because they are half a game behind San Antonio, who's 14 and 20. So they're right in the thick of things. Nowhere near 
getting ready to, to call it. But another destination I really like would be the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets also have expiring contract deals. And with the emergence of Devontae Graham, as well as the increased play of uh, Terry Rozier, Cody Zeller's been doing decent. And then um, a lot of young pieces around there, P.J. Washington, Dwayne Bacon. Uh, this, this could be a really good piece for him to play, give them a veteran presence they need, and push them over the top. Because right now, they're two games out of the eight seed. But imagine uh, giving P.J. Washington and Devontae Graham a legit uh, veteran presence that can still play at a high level uh, on the team paired with just all those other pieces they have and, and prospects. That's a really good team. Like that's, I mean, Charlotte was my bet to to be out, you know, in the, the, one of the worst teams in the, in the race for the lottery. But Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington have been playing well. Terry Rozier has been doing decent enough. But trading away Batum, who's on like a, a $25 million contract, the contracts match up with the two of those guys. And then they can throw maybe a first or maybe another young prospect like Malik Monk to really set it over the top. And that gives the Cavs a, a prospect or a pick and an expiring contract to absorb and finally get rid of Kevin Love. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with what the Cavs have done. And this argument about Kevin Love and his decision to do this isn't based off of whether the Cavs are a good organization. I think everyone in America who's an NBA fan knows the Cavs are a poorly run organization, and it starts at the top with Dan Gilbert. But the fact that Kevin Love decided to you know, invest in the, in the city and get that big contract and have them invest in him raises big question marks. I mean, did he think it was going to go differently? Did he think the rebuild would be shorter? Is he just trying to collect a check? But why now? I mean, it's been a year and a half. You're still, you, you still have at least two and a half more years on your contract, and you're getting max money. But the team's not not building, building whatsoever. So who knows what will happen there? Kevin Love probably going to get traded, and there are rumors that because the February, like the the trade deadline, I think is a month away, February five, and because the free agent class is weaker than it, it is most years, this could be a really busy trade deadline. I mean, we've heard rumors with Andre Drummond uh, and, and other things like that. And undoubtedly, there's going to be more names that come up as we move down the stretch. Andre Drummond, a few places I'd like him to go. Um, I think the Hawks are a fantastic piece. I mean, they send it works out perfectly. They send over Chandler Parsons for Andre Drummond. They get a big a defensive anchor to pair with Trey Young. Uh, John Collins. There's a lot to like. Kevin Herter. There's a lot to like in the Hawks organization. And getting a guy like Andre Drummond, who can give you 15 points, 15 rebounds, and is one of the better interior defenders in the league, especially if you can get him for a bargain of a deal. You know, if you can send Chandler Parsons over and maybe like a first a couple years from now and, and get a guy who's, you know, top five at top five in the paint. I mean, obviously the center position's moving away from, from rim protectors, but and leans heavily more on guys who can shoot threes. But if they're able to uh, get that, I mean, that's too good of a deal to pass up, I think, at that point. And they're one of the teams that can make it work from a salary cap standpoint. So be on the lookout for that. But I'm sure more NBA news to come. And especially as we move out of the playoffs, we're going to focus a lot more here on this podcast talking about NBA news because that'll be heating up. We'll be getting into playoff time. But the trade deadline is something we can't ignore and something we will talk about uh, as we move into the later parts of this season. Let's go in order, though. NFL games, first one right off the bat, Houston Texans, Buffalo Bills. That was a fun one. Uh, if you like defense and you really don't know what's going to happen, like, and you like games that you don't know what's going to happen next, uh, the, the Texans won in overtime 22-19, to but the Bills had plenty of chances to win that game. I thought for sure the Bills were going to win uh, immediately because of 
the injury to Will Fuller, he wasn't going to be playing. And every time Will Fuller plays, the Texans' offense seems lethal. Like, they, they seem to be unstoppable. But when he's out, they lose their deep threat, and they're hurting because of it. J.J. Watt came back, had a great game, uh, had a sack. He looked really good. Uh, from that standpoint, getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, too, not not just in that sack he had, but um, he had two, two QB hits, a tackle for loss, a sack. Uh, so all around, just a great game from him. The Texans got to the quarterback six times, sacked a— uh, they, they sat, or no, excuse me, they got to him three times, had three sacks on Josh Allen, uh, really good game, but the Bills sacked Deshaun Watson seven times, which also great by them. I think the, the thing that sucks the most is that the Bills are probably the best matchup in the AFC for the Baltimore Ravens. Like if you, if uh, the, the team that's going to give them the most trouble is unfortunately out now, because if you watch that game, Deshaun Watson would try to cr- turn the corner about four or five times and the Buffalo Bills would not let him get there. Now, granted, Lamar Jackson is a lot better of a runner, but Deshaun Watson is a lot better of a passer. So those things might have balanced themselves out, and they might have put more defenders on the line of scrimmage, and it would have been really tough. I mean, the Bills had already played Lamar Jackson fantastic in their last game, uh, obviously coming up short, losing 24-17. But Lamar Jackson, 16-25, 145 yards passing. And then on the ground, it was one of his worst games, 11 carries for 40 yards, one of his worst games on the ground this whole season. So... Uh, unfortunate for them, but they're, the Texans are going to go on and face the Chiefs in the second round. But the one thing that it was killer for this game, I mean, obviously the Bills were up 13-0 at halftime. They had a lead. They let the Texans come all the way back. Josh Allen did a great job of driving the team down the field, tying it up and sending it to overtime. Uh, and, and he made a lot of mistakes. There wasn't uh, It wasn't solid offensively for either team, really. Um, but on a, I think it was a third and eight, a play that they converted in overtime on the 42, which would have gotten them into field goal range, essentially ready to win the game. Uh, it was called back on a blindside block by Cody Ford on, I think I think it was Whitney Merciless, but I posted that video up on my on, on Twitter, on the podcast Twitter, and said this is the play that lost the, uh, the Bills the game. And it really was, because Cody Ford hit him squarely in the chest. He was turning the quarter to chase after Josh Allen, uh, who eventually made the play and converted, and that didn't affect the, the play. Like that—that's the thing that, that killed it was the refs. That uh, was—it it didn't make sense for that call because uh, first off, it wasn't even on the side; it was a hit, um, you know, at least at the very least on the left side of his rib cage, but not on his shoulder, not on his back, uh, which is you know an illegal blindside block. He can see him coming all the way. Booger McFarland didn't agree, but I thought that was dumb that he didn't agree. That—that uh, that was clearly a clean play. And should have gotten the Bills in field goal range. And we should be talking about them playing the Ravens at this point. But it's the Texans that are moving on. And uh, yes, the Bills let the Texans come back in the game. But in the playoffs, you can't show up for one half. Luckily, it was the Bills. And the Bills had a mindset of playing not to lose. And that allowed the Texans to come back in the game. But if the Texans show up in one half against the Chiefs, uh, specifically the second half, they're going to be down 28 points at least. Uh, the Bills did not do a good job of capitalizing off of um, off of uh, t- the Texans' inability to, to move the ball, and their defense played great for a half. I mean, even a second half, 19 points, 22 points in total of a game is great, especially one that goes to overtime. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. I still like the Chiefs. I mean, they were my Super Bowl pick going into it, or to go to it at least. Obviously, the team that they're playing uh, will will have to change based off of what happened today but yeah we'll get into that 
But next game is the Titans and the Patriots. This one, uh, it, it felt it felt weird. Like obviously, it felt different from the other years that the Patriots have had. But granted, when are you ever gonna go against the New England Patriots in the playoffs? I mean, it just unless you're a Titans fan, you know, you can't say that your decision to pick the Titans to win was anything but an emotional one. Um, obviously, Derrick Henry just blew through the Dolph- or the Patriots' defense, and he had a really good game. I think it was like 186 yards, two touchdowns, and the Patriots didn't have an answer for him, uh, and, and they didn't come up big. Julian Edelman dropped a second down pass that would have gotten them the first down, and said so they punted with three minutes to go, but a genius game from Mike Vrabel, uh, one, of, one that you may have missed, with about six, I think six minutes, 30 seconds left on the clock, Mike Vrabel, it was a fourth down, and I thought they should have gone for it, but this was probably the next best option. Uh, so they were on about, I think, the 34, or no, the 36-yard line maybe, and they called, um, they called, uh, or they, they took a delay of game on purpose, which allows the clock to run because penalties don't stop the clock unless you're under five minutes. So they took a delay of game, then they took a false start, which still allowed the clock to run, and then the Patriots jumped off sides, which kept the clock going for a total of a minute 46 seconds, which was great because it really turned out to be the difference maker because the Patriots got the ball back and eventually had to punt with 340 and never got it, never got it again. Uh, and that wouldn't have happened without Rabel's call, which if you remember, Bill Belichick called, I think, week six against the Jets. So he was pulling Bill Belichick's move on Bill Belichick, uh, and the Titans ended up winning. Now, they're out of all the teams left in the playoffs, in the AFC at least, to go up against the Ravens. I mean, I, I think the Bills would have matched up the, the best. The Chiefs are obviously second favorites with what their offense can do, but the Titans have to be third. I mean, this is a favorable matchup for them, a team that runs the ball extremely well, a team that plays really good, solid team defense, and a team that can pass when they have to. The Ravens' strength is their secondary, obviously with Earl Thomas, uh, uh, wow, Peters, what, whatever his name is, I'm I'm blanking on him. Uh, I'm thinking Jason Peters, but that's not right. Uh, the Marcus Peters, the cornerback they got from the Rams, they they do a really good job. Their secondary is airtight, but their ground game, especially against the leading rusher in the NFL and Derrick Henry, is gonna they're gonna have a tough time stopping the uh, the Tennessee Titans in this game. But we'll get to the the preview in just a bit let's keep it moving here the shocker of of this the weekend had to be the vikings knocking off the saints in overtime Taysom hill did all he could uh he had 25 receiving yards 50 passing yards 50 rushing yards uh, including a, a receiving touchdown but they got it going too little too late and i was surprised i mean the saints were my super bowl team that i i thought you know they're they're going for sure and they're out in the first round. The third time, they, this is their third straight loss, uh, losing on a final play in regulation, which is the second time it's happened uh, only to the 2013-2015 Packers. And a questionable call there at the end. The the uh, push-off on Kyle Rudolph, I think it was pass interference. And it's just incredible that you really can make the case that the, the, the Saints were screwed over by the refs uh, two seasons in a row. I mean, that obvious blatant no call, that one's more blatant than the last year's was more blatant than this year's, but it's still very much blatant, uh, and now they're out. Drew Brees did not have a fantastic game, nothing like I expected him to have. 
26 of 33, 208 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, like I said, Taysom Hill was all over the field, but Kirk Cousins did a really good job. 19 to 31, 242 yards and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, seven catches for 129 yards, including that big play that set him up inside the three. Uh, and the Vikings are moving on to play the 49ers. I didn't see most. I, I caught the last bit of this game. I didn't see the whole thing, but you have to imagine it's going to be a long offseason for, for Saints fans in in the fact that, you know, they looking at it this way, the Patriots lost to the Dolphins Week 17, which pushed them to the three seed. And the no call on the Seahawks in Week 17 allowed the 49ers to win uh, and pushed the, the Saints to a three seed, which they otherwise would have been a two. So these are two three seed teams that lost to the six seed but had a legitimate shot and really good reason, a really good case for that number two seed. And now they don't even make it to the divisional round, which, I mean, in the playoffs, anything happens. It's it's crazy, but that that is the case, and that's what we've seen even in week one of, of the of the playoffs this, this year. Now we're moving on to the Seahawks-Eagles game. Seahawks fans, I know you're not going to like this, so just cover your ears for like five seconds, and then we'll, we'll get into it. The Seahawks were lucky to win this game. It was a lucky win. Uh, that shot, okay, yeah, Seahawks fans, you can listen now again. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, that was a cheap shot. I mean, you can say, like, there was no part of that that seemed like an actual football play, uh, you know, a, a legal tackle. Clowney was leading with his helmet and coming down over the top of Carson Wentz. And that concussion eventually led him to be uh, taken out of the game. And a team that was already dealing with injuries on nearly every position uh, at this point in the season, which now brought in Josh McCown, a 40-year-old quarterback, and making his first career uh, NFL playoff appearance, which, I mean, he was doing he was doing analysis for ESPN, I think, last year. So this, I mean, crazy, absolutely crazy. The Eagles put up a good fight, and they really did have a good chance to win this game. I mean, they had two two drives inside the uh, 25, the Seahawks 25. They elected to go for it on both of them. The first one, I mean, the second one you really had to because there was three minutes left. And there was a good chance that that they may not get the ball back if they didn't convert. But on the first one, I mean, I can see where you make the case for a field goal because then it makes it a little bit easier. But both times didn't convert, and they did all about they did all about all they could. I mean, Carson Wentz still we haven't seen him play a full playoff game, and you can't help but think that game would have been different if if Wentz was in there. I mean, Josh McCown did a great job. Don't get me wrong, statistically. He did, he did pretty good, 18 to 24, 174 yards, uh, but didn't get a single touchdown. The Eagles didn't, and uh, it was a valiant effort, but just not enough. That's that's really what it came down to. Um, the Seahawks were getting after him every time. He got sacked uh, six times. They got, had seven sacks total, and DK Metcalf had probably his best game so far statistically this season, especially coming up big. I mean, he had a big was a 50-yard touchdown from Russell Wilson that really blew the game open, uh, put him up 17-6, to and then he iced the game as well on that third-down fly route that seemed really weird. I mean, you would think they would be a little more ready. I know they ran a cover zero, so basically putting putting everyone in, in man coverage, but still, I think uh, you, you got you to gotta give DK Metcalf— I mean, the two things he's going to beat you with is speed and his athleticism. So why let him get the jump on you? Uh, and and Russell Wilson, who is probably the best deep ball thrower in the country, 
give him time to put the ball up to where only DK can catch it. And you didn't even put yourself in a chance to bat it down or, you know, at least keep him in front of you at the very least, uh, as opposed to just letting him burn you and, and ending the game right there. So Seahawks move on. Seahawks play the Packers in um, the divisional round. And, it, I mean, it looks good. The The Seahawks, the Seahawks path to the NFC Championship game is, is pretty good. The Packers, like we've said on the show, 13-3, probably one of the worst 13-3 teams in the NFL at this point in the season. And there's a really good chance they go to the championship game where they're playing either the San Francisco 49ers, a team they've already beaten uh, in, in Santa Clara once this season, or they host a game against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but obviously, all eyes are focused on the Packers. And granted, I thought the Saints were really good and were going to make it to the Super Bowl, and the Packers were the bad team. So the Packers are probably going to play just fine in this game, and it just shows how little anyone really knows about football uh, when when it comes playoff time. But, yeah, a lot to look at here. So let's go ahead and preview the divisional round matchups, starting with the first one, Vikings 49ers, uh, the, the Saturday afternoon game. The 49ers open up as 6.5-point favorites. I mean, the, the Saints were 7.5-point favorites. But one thing that I've been saying since the almost the very beginning of the season, when I was week three, week four, um, there's two things that haven't changed since the beginning, since the inception of football, uh, that make you successful, and that's defense in a run game. And I don't think it's an argument the Seahawks, or the, the excuse me, the 49ers have one of the best defense and run game combos in the league. Uh, the Ravens are up there too. Look at the success they've had. Uh, but... I mean, absolutely fantastic what they've been able to accomplish this season. But like we've said, Levi Stadium isn't a super intimidating place to play. And the Vikings obviously show no fear when they're playing on the road, knocking off the, the Saints in the Superdome. I'm not really sure how to what to think about this game. I mean, it really could turn out to be a close one. Uh, the, the Vikings could come out and, and play really well. People are saying that Kirk Cousins, um, you know, really showed us something, really proved something in this win. I mean, the, the numbers don't jump out at you um, a crazy amount. I think he did a great job uh, this today at doing just enough. Obviously, that throw to Adam Thielen to set him up in position. But Dalvin Cook did a, a really good job on his own. Uh, 28 carries for 94 yards. He also had a couple more receiving yards to, to throw into it as well. But Dalvin Cook had a really good game. Adam Thielen was his security blanket all game long, and the Vikings may have saved Mike Zimmer's job. The game plan to beating the 49ers has to be one extremely similar to the Saints. Run run the ball through Dalvin Cook, run the entire offense through Dalvin Cook, put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands, ask him to make a few plays, but not carry the team. Because I think at this point, you know, they, they say once you've thrown 4,000 passes in the NFL, we know what kind of quarterback you're going to be. And Kirk Cousins is approaching, if not already past that 4,000 uh, passing attempts point. He's the guy, he's an above-average quarterback who, when you put the right team around him, he'll win you some games. And if you ask him to be the guy, he's probably going to let you down, and he, very, and he, he has in the past. But if you give a team around him, give him a defense, give him a running game, and say, just don't make mistakes, he does a pretty good job of that too. So that's the game plan for the Vikings. For the 49ers, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. No one's been able to stop you when you're at your best. You went into the Superdome a couple weeks ago and put 48 up on them. There's, for some reason, there's a lot of questions 
about the 49ers defense and is Robert Saylor really a good defensive coordinator, you got to remember they played one of the toughest stretches I think any team's played this season. They had to play the Ravens. Well, even before that, they played the Packers, the Ravens, the Saints, roll back-to-back, three in a row, and two of those were, they were on the road. They played the Ravens in Baltimore and the Saints in New Orleans, and they they allowed 46 points, 17 points, and 8 points, which the 46 is a big number, but you average that out with 20 and 8. That's not terrible. I mean, we've obviously seen worse, and there's some sort of fatigue that starts to set in at a given point when you're playing that many games of high-level offenses, which they faced. Um, I think their defense is really good, Some something that teams really need to look out for because they will, they will get after the quarterback quick. That'll be the big question because Kirk Cousins, I mean, the Saints pass rush is good, but nothing compared to what the 49ers have to offer. So in this one, it really feels like if they can get the running game going, the 49ers, I, I, I do put Garoppolo and Cousins in the same uh, in the same level, above average, but if you put the game all on them, uh, they may disappoint you. And in, in that regard, I mean, that's, that's still a top 12 quarterback. Both of them are, in my opinion, in the NFL at this point. Um, you know, really, really pushing the top 10, maybe on the outside looking in, but solid, you know, at their best, they're, they're top eight. But in this one, I think the 49ers just give Kirk Cousins too much pressure. They don't allow the run game to get going. And I, I think that'll probably be the key to the game is eliminating the rush, eliminating Dalvin Cook, and forcing Kirk Cousins to throw the ball, something that he hasn't, he's done well this season, but not without a running game. So in this one, I like the 49ers 24 to, hmm, 24 to 13, 24 to 16, something like that. It's not going to be, uh, I don't think it's going to be a close one. I mean, I could be wrong. I was obviously 100% wrong with the with the Vikings and Saints, but it just feels like the Vikings are going to be, um, they're going to be riding high off of this, this big win, and it may lead them to not be as ready and the real question is, now that they've won the game, because the rumor was, if they don't win this game, Mike Zimmer's gone. Does Mike Zimmer stay at this point? Even, you know, the fact that you knocked off the Saints and made it to the divisional round, is that enough to keep him as your head coach, or do they move on? So 24-13 is my prediction for that game. Um, one interesting thing also about all these wildcard games, all four games went under. So I wonder if that trend continues, and I got to look it up. I'll have to see. Maybe I'll tweet it out, but... How many of these games have gone under in the playoffs? If you know, if we look at the last few years, because I mean, all four going under seems pretty crazy. I mean, I I put up two on Twitter that would go under, but all four I couldn't have considered. Uh, yeah, so 49ers 24, Vikings 13, and the 49ers will host the conference championship uh, to one of these two teams, the Seahawks or the Packers. But let's go to the next game: Titans Ravens. Oh man, I. I really, the Titans have a favorable matchup here. I, I mentioned it before. I really like their odds in this one. The Ravens open as 10-point favorites. And if I was a betting man, that's plus 10 Titans all day long. Because Lamar Jackson, as great as he's been, and he's an MVP candidate this year, has been relatively untested. And the last playoff game he was in against the Chargers, he did not look his best. So the defense is strong. The running game is strong. Those are two things that that they can do really well. But you know another team that does those things really well? The Titans. 
The Titans have a fantastic running back in Derrick Henry, NFL's leading rusher, a defense that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and an offense that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Going up against a team in the Ravens that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and pounce on other teams making mistakes. Uh, I mean, we, we saw this before. The Saints were a team that didn't make mistakes. Only eight turnovers all season. The Vikings forced two. The idea of an upset like this isn't out of the realm of possibility. I mean, the Patriot or the Titans really wowed us beating the Patriots um, and essentially ending the Patriots dynasty. I don't think people realize Brady, Brady said he's not giving the Patriots a hometown discount and Belichick is notorious for not paying players really what they what they want to be paid and kind of forcing them their hand a little bit to to take a hometown discount. Now, where does Tom Brady go? That's a really good question. Uh, there are rumors that he goes out to the Colts, and I've spent the last, the, since that came out, I think it was on Friday, I spent the last two days or so really reasoning with myself uh, that getting Tom Brady is a good idea because if, we if we're able to get Tom Brady, then we could draft a quarterback like Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, something like Anthony Gordon, something like that. He can grow, sign Tom Brady to a two-year contract. He'll grow behind Tom Brady and eventually take over the reins. Tom Brady can retire at 45, maybe win another Super Bowl with the Colts, and then he set. But the toughest thing with that is you have to remember the Patriots and Colts have been rivals since Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, really since 2004, you know, 2003, when, when they both started making the playoffs at a consistent rate. This is going to be one of the weirdest things in sports, uh, especially for fan, people that have been fans of the NFL since the mid-2000s, watching a guy who was, a, you know, had a fierce rivalry with one team, eventually going and, and joining them. Uh, something seeing Not seeing Brady in a, in a Patriots jersey is crazy in and of itself, but the fact that he could go to the Colts just makes it even weirder. But I'm okay with it. I've made... I've made peace with it in my mind if that happens. It's not a terrible move, especially if we can go after like a C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, one of those guys with our 13th pick. Give him a couple weapons, and I mean, we know what Brady can do. We'll just give him two or three guys he can trust and then turn other guys into, into superstars. But let's get back to this Titans-Ravens game. It's, like I said, not out of the realm of possibility that the Titans win this game. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But it's going to be a lot closer than people think, and it's going to be well within these 10 points that the Ravens are getting. Um, the thing that concerns me the most, it seems like a lot of analysts this year are so afraid of being wrong on Lamar Jackson uh, that that they're, they're afraid to have an opinion that might be right, if that makes sense. Everyone's praising him, saying, saying, wow, this is one of the best seasons we've ever seen out of a quarterback. I mean, yes, he ran the ball. Uh, he broke the Michael Vick's rushing record, which is incredible. But you look at his passing stats and you combine them together, it's about 4,000 total yards, 44 passing touchdowns. It's impressive, but we've seen probably 15 to 20 quarterbacks in their history put up a, 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 a stat sheet like that. It's it's certainly a crazy stat, uh, stats-wise year for Lamar Jackson, but not the best we've ever seen. I mean, Patrick Mahomes last year was way better than Lamar Jackson this year at this point. I mean, 1,500 more passing yards, 10 more touchdowns. I mean, you know, people are people are, are giving him this praise. Uh, and like we said, Patrick Mahomes, he fell down to injury. He's not as good as he was uh, last year statistically. I mean, I think he's definitely taken some things in stride, and the Chiefs look really good. They were my other Super Bowl appearance pick, so maybe they might have to be the ones that, that win it. 
but yeah, we'll see at the end of the show. I'll, I'll, I'll give my, my certain, my certain pick for it, but the Ravens largely, largely untested in the playoffs to this point. Lamar Jackson untested in the playoffs to this point. I still think the Ravens win this game, but the Titans are absolutely thousand percent going to cover. It's probably going to be somewhere along the lines of 23 to 20, something like that. Um, which will probably let's see will that would that hit the under as well yep the under is 48 that would hit the under and then how about 24 13 for the 49ers vikings yep that hits the under as well uh so ravens probably win this one but the titans surprise a lot of people and going into next season the afc south is looking like a really good division i mean you give gardner Minshew another year with the offense maybe give him a better offensive line uh, get some better pieces on defense. They got a lot of picks in the draft because of guys that they've given up. Try your best to re-sign Unique Ngakwe, but that's a decent team. The Colts, if they can figure out their quarterback situation, uh, they seem to have figured out their kicking situation, then they're set. They look really good. Uh, and the Titans, if Tannehill's their guy, I mean, statistically, they, they've been the best team in football since he took over at quarterback. And obviously the Texans, who I definitely think should fire Bill O'Brien. The it, there, what he was, what he did in the playoffs was just what what he's done is just idiotic. I mean, look at it last season and the season before that. He scored zero points in the first half of all of his last three playoff games at home, playing at home in front of your fans, and you can't put up at least a field goal, uh, which is a great transition into the Texans Chiefs game. Uh, I think the Chiefs win this one big. I never, I at this point. What we've seen the last three years, I will never trust Bill O'Brien. Not Deshaun Watson. He's played fantastic, and he had an incredible play to put them in field goal range, evading two guys that probably should have taken him down. But it's Deshaun Watson uh, eventually leading to their win. The, the, the Chiefs are a really good team. Defensively, they've lit it up these past few weeks. I mean, look at their, their points allowed. Um, ever since that loss to the Titans— 17 to the Chargers, 9 to the Raiders, 16 to the Patriots, 3 to the Broncos, 3 to the Bears, and then 21 to the Chargers. Really good. Some really good football that they're playing, and they've beaten some decent teams. The Texans have a tendency to not show up. Like I've said, zero points in the first half of their last three playoff games. You go down zero points, you put up zero points to the Chiefs in Arrowhead, you're probably down 21, 24 to 0, and you're not coming back from it. Uh, the Chiefs are a really solid team all the way around, have a top five quarterback, probably top three quarterback uh, in the league. I mean, you can make the case for certainly a lot higher, but for sure top three, undoubtedly. Um, you've got offensive weapons, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman. Uh, Damian Williams has been looking solid. And like I said, Chiefs defense is really good. They're making, They're going to make it tough for them, and I just don't think the Texans are going to come ready to play. The Chiefs were inches away, literally D. Ford's uh, index finger away from going to the Super Bowl last season before they fell to the Patriots, and they're hungry. They're ready to win. I mean, uh, Mahomes is ready to come back from injury. The only reason I could see the Texans winning this game is because you have to remember Andy Reid has also been historically bad in the playoffs in making coaching decisions, but I don't think this game's going to be close. I think the Chiefs are going to come hot off the gate and... Let's see. What's what's the line set out here? Line is wow, nine and a half, the opening line. Ooh. That's tough. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for the Chiefs to cover, I think. Uh, but especially opening up. I it's gotta go shorter. Um if it goes within seven points, 
I think it's for sure a cover. I think the Chiefs will eventually or end up covering anyways. They'll probably it'll probably be like 30 to 10, 30 to 13, which that also hits the under too. That's could we go another? Could we go with more unders? Uh, but yeah, 30 points from the Chiefs, 13, 10 or 13 from the Texans, probably 13. Um, but it's going to be too little, too late. The Chiefs are going to get out to a hot start. Probably be up like 21 to zero or 20 to zero at halftime. Uh, and they're not going. The Texans aren't going to be able to get it going. And then our final game, Seahawks-Packers. I'm just not sure. I don't really know uh, what to think with this one. The Packers open up minus four. Seahawks are covering 100%. They're going to cover. Um, it's going to be a close one. I don't. I don't necessarily see the Seahawks going in there and blowing them out. It's within the realm of possibilities, but I don't think the Packers blow the Seahawks out. Uh, just the way they've been playing. I mean, we've had we had Kelvin on the show. He was talking about it earlier. How essentially uh, the Packers ha- have eight minutes a game, eight to twelve minutes a game, where they look like the best team in football, and then the rest of the time they they can't do anything. Um, that's another recipe for a disaster. Aaron Rodgers has been decent this season, but you just can't. I mean, if we're, if we just went based off of quarterbacks and what they've done this year, you got to go with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson really did carry the team offensively. He's another one of those top three quarterbacks, um, unquestionably, with the way he's played this season and the way he's kept his team in a lot of close games. I mean, they played, I think, 12 games decided by one possession, and they're 10-2. and two. I mean, it's absolutely crazy what, uh, what, they've, what they've been able to do this season. I like the Seahawks in this one, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers win just because, I mean, I was dead wrong on the Saints um, 100%. With, they came out flat. They didn't look good. So maybe the Packers will turn out to be, I don't think they're a good team, but maybe they'll play well in this one and and win. Um, but yeah, I like the Seahawks in this one. Probably somewhere around like 24 to 20. I think it's going to be like another one of those close ones. Um, but I think a Seahawks blowout is a lot more likely than a Packers blowout. But it will be a close game. And I think, tell you what, I think the game's going to end 24 to 20. Or yeah, no, excuse me, 27 to 24. And whoever has the ball last is going to win the game. Uh, it's probably going to be a game-winning drive by a quarterback. But whoever has the ball last is going to win the game. So I like the Seahawks plus four for sure in that one. And the over-under is 46. So that one would hit. that one. So I'm predicting three unders, one over in this game, in this, in this divisional round. Um, but just looking at the field, I think the the forty. I mean, the Forty ers were my second choice, my next best choice. Obviously, now the Saints are out, so they probably have to slip into that spot. They don't have a particularly intimidating home field advantage, but they've got a defense, they've got a run game, and Jimmy Garoppolo can turn on the Jets when he has to. I mean, like I said, he's another Kirk Cousins situation, but the pack the Forty ers have a significantly better run game, a significantly better defense than the Vikings do. Um, and then out in the AFC, it's I mean it's the Chiefs until otherwise. The Chiefs until they're knocked out. I think they're they're gonna gonna be pretty confident after this big win on the Texans uh, in the game. I don't think is gonna be close whatsoever. But so it's com- I guess conference that means it's it we're we're looking at 49ers, Seahawks, and uh, Ravens Chiefs. And yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. A lot of things will could and will unfold in the divisional round. I just hope it's just as exciting as the uh, wildcard round because that sure, certainly provide us with a lot of talking points and a lot of things that 
really really keep it interesting. Um, one thing that let's, let's let's switch over to the NBA here. Talk about it a little bit before we head out. Um, the Clippers have not been playing well as of late. Uh, Montrezl Harrell went as far to say that they weren't a great team uh, at this point in the season. They're now 26 and 12, uh, coming off of a, a close win over the Knicks, and then the game before that, absolutely getting blown out by the Grizzlies. Um, and what you can say, John Morant's just been playing fantastic. But Jay Crowder had a big game, 27 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. John Morant and Dylan Brooks, Brooks both scored 22. Uh, but I'm starting to I'm starting to have doubts here. I'm starting to wonder. I mean, the Clippers, it was Clippers-Sixers were my, were my regular season finals predictions. Uh, the 76ers are struggling. The Clippers are struggling uh, so far at this point in the year. Paul George did not play in this one. This whole uh, load management thing is really starting to backfire on the Clippers because, I mean, this is a time they've got two years with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They've structured their contracts the same. Uh, They really need to do a good job of establishing team chemistry fast. Uh, And load management makes it a lot tougher, especially, you know, Kawhi was out for the first little bit. Uh, Paul George missed a little bit. They're, They're struggling to play. They're struggling to field the whole roster at this point in the season, and you can really tell it's starting to um, damage their their on-court chemistry, and obviously they're a talented team. I think they have the most talent top to bottom in the NBA. The Lakers are close, but with that bench, the, the Clippers take the edge, uh, but I don't know. I just, I think they need to get on the court altogether a lot more. Uh, maybe Kawhi can work his load management games around, you know, when, when everyone's healthy, if he has to. I mean, it's kind of annoying that, you know, I, I was thinking about it. Obviously, it makes sense, and it's proven because Kawhi Leonard was able to win a game. But you, if, if you're a young fan and your favorite player is Kawhi Leonard and you go to Staples Center or or even you go on the road, you're let's say you live in Charlotte and you're going to the Hornets-Clippers game because you want to see your favorite player, Kawhi Leonard, and all of a sudden he sits out because of loads management. I mean, Le- LeBron was talking about this earlier. He made a great point using that exact same logic. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. you got to give... 100%. I understand being healthy and it's a proven way to win. That's I mean that's not the thing but as far as the league goes, it's it's a league killer. Um and and that's one thing that that they're going to have to figure out a way to to get around whether that's making less games, giving them more more breaks uh, or something else other than that. But looking over the rest of the NBA, I mean we talked about Kevin Love. That whole situation's a little weird. Um, I want to do probably in the next in the following weeks we're going to look at the at the, the trade rumors, see who um, see who's rumored of being shopped, and and maybe figuring out what uh, who who should go where and where's the best fit. But yeah, Montrose Harrell saying not a great team. Kevin Love is visibly frustrated. Andre Drummond says quote not a quitter wants to stay a Piston, which is good. Um, and and yeah, I mean this is. Big season, probably the biggest surprise is the Miami Heat, what they've been able to do, uh, putting that team together, now third in the Eastern Conference. Um, any other surprises here at this point? The fact that San Antonio's in the playoffs right now, if they ended today at 14-20, and 20, is a big surprise. Um, but other than that, yeah, we'll put together some more stuff. Obviously, a lot more NBA talk as we move out of NFL because, you know, there's just not a lot. Uh, be sure to check out The Shallow Dive. New episode posted Monday. If you're hearing the Sunday night, it's posted tomorrow morning. But if you're on, if you're listening to it 
anytime after Sunday night. It's out right now. Check out The Shallow Dive on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And if you enjoy this episode and other episodes like this, please feel free to give us a five-star review, leave a comment, uh, and reach out to us. You can find us, Not Gonna Lie Podcast, on Instagram, at PodcastNGL on Twitter. Send us a DM. uh, Tell us what else you want to hear on the show. Tell us stuff you agreed with or disagreed with. Uh, But that's all for this week. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening.